Hello, this is Pastor Marty Macedo from Fellow Helpers Ministries, bringing you another podcast from the Pastor's Study, Biblical Lessons in the Battlefield of Life from a retired pastor of 45 years who was saved after serving as a Staff Sergeant Airborne Ranger in Vietnam. My testimony is shared in podcast number one. It is my desire to share with you lessons the Lord has taught me over my years of living as a Christian and serving as a pastor. These podcasts are intended to whet your appetite for further Bible study and they will be short, 20 to 30 minutes, and having your Bible and something to jot down notes might be helpful. If you have any questions, you can contact me by email. It is masitofhm at gmail.com. That is m-a-s-i-t-t-o-f-h-m at gmail.com. The title of our Bible study today is Attitude Determines Altitude, and it comes from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. As the days fly by, do you feel like you are a high flyer, a level flyer, or ready to crash and burn? Our passage instructs us how to keep the right attitude and maintain the right altitude. Let's begin by reading these four verses. Colossians chapter 4, excuse me, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If he then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Shall we pray? Our Father in heaven, we do not want this Bible study today just to be a mental exercise and understanding, defining words, or making up outlines. We desire it, Father, to be something that will speak to our hearts. And that is why we pray now. We ask thee, Father, to, through thy Holy Spirit, minister to us thy word in a way that would encourage us, and we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Attitude Determines Altitude Our passage today reminds me of a lesson I learned in 1971 while taking flying lessons. The attitude of the airplane determined the altitude that you'd be flying. If you pulled back on the yoke, it'd be nose up and you'd climb higher. If you held the yoke steady, it'd be level flight. You'd maintain your altitude. And if you pushed in the yoke, it'd be nose down, and then you would lose altitude. This lesson became very real to me one day when doing some solo touch and goes at an airport in Richmond, Ohio. I was to be at 1,500 feet on one leg of my approach. The tower called and said I was way too low, that I was to check my altimeter. Well, I did. And when I checked my altimeter, I realized I'd misread it. I was actually at 500 feet, not 1,500 feet. Immediately, I did a nose up, and immediately I gained the proper altitude. Now, you may be asking, how does this illustration introduce our study today? As the days fly by in your life, are you a high flyer, upbeat, positive? Are you a level flyer, just maintaining and getting by? Or are you ready to crash and burn because you become so discouraged and depressed with all the things going on around us? See, maintaining the right spiritual attitude will allow you to enjoy and safely fly at the right altitude. You say, well, do attitudes really matter that much? Oh, they certainly do. Let me give you a couple of different illustrations. Imagine in your mind what comes about with a person who says, I don't care. That's an attitude, isn't it? I don't care. What does that represent about that person? What about if they say it doesn't matter? 
or I can't do it, or what's the use in trying? All that represents an attitude that will show you where the person is with their altitude. But also you can remember the positive side of that. I can do it. Uh, we need the rain. I love my church. Get out there and sell. Those are kind of positive attitudes that lift your spirits, don't they? So attitude is very important in determining altitude. And that's what our passage is dealing with today. Let me begin by taking a look with you at verse 1 and answering our first question in our outline. Whose attitude is being described here in this passage? Whose attitude is being described here in this passage? Notice what it says in verse 1. If he then be risen with Christ, there's our answer. If is a condition. Not everybody that's reading this is going to be risen with Christ, but if you've made the decision and you are risen with Christ, this is the attitude that you're supposed to have. It's interesting when you take a look at the epistles that the Apostle Paul wrote, again, doing them under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so he was guided and directed in his writing. And it's interesting to note when he goes into the epistles or letters in the New Testament, he always starts them out with what to believe and then ends them with how to behave. In other words, in Colossians, we see in chapter 1 and 2 what to believe. And he gives us a good summary of doctrine or teaching that we're to be holding on to. And then in chapter 3 and 4, he goes into how to behave. Uh, based upon what we believe, what is the reaction supposed to be in our life? Or how does it apply to our life? And I point that out to you because I want us to realize that when we take a look at transitioning for uh, what to believe in the doctrine to how to behave in our duty or responsibility, the first thing he brings out is this, if he then be risen with Christ. Salvation is the most important thing that we can make a decision about in our life. And it opens up a whole new world to us. I know a lot of people, for example, have studied the Bible, know the Bible, could quote it better than I, could probably teach it better than I, but have never made that personal decision to trust Christ. Well, they're not then risen with Christ. It's the person who makes that decision to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior that is the person that is, if they be risen with Christ, and that is the attitude that we're going to see described here today. Let me give you a couple of verses in that regard. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says this, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God. Grace is a free gift. Faith is that belief. Not of yourselves. You don't earn it. It's not your good outweighing your bad. It is a gift of God. Reminding us again in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but of everlasting life. Yes, as we move from the doctrinal section of Colossians into the duty, where we move from what to believe into how to behave, the first thing the Apostle Paul says is, look, this isn't going to work unless you've been risen with Christ. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, another precious verse in this regard. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. 
So the first thing we need to establish in our asking of questions in our study today is, am I one of those that's been risen with Christ? Have I made a decision by faith to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior? Have I bowed my head and bowed my heart and asked him to forgive me of my sins and ask his son, the Lord Jesus Christ's blood, to be applied to me, that I can have my sins forgiven through what Jesus Christ did on the cross? Once we've done that, we've opened up the avenue now for us to have this kind of attitude that's going to be described in these next verses. This attitude, I could summarize it in this way, can only be maintained by a Christian. And secondly, this attitude must be maintained by a Christian. You know, one thing about flying that I always found interesting, and I didn't fly personally on my own a lot, but I did take aerial photography and flew with others a lot. Um, that was back in 1969, 1970. And then I started taking flying lessons in 71. And a couple of the pilots that I flew with were instrument rated. And it was interesting to me because we would take off from the airport. The pilot would be flying. I'd be in the co-pilot seat, but I couldn't fly. I'd actually end up in the back taking pictures once we got to where we were going. And uh, one thing I always noted is we take off on some pretty dingy and dark days. Uh, I would sometimes scratch my head and say, I hope this is going to work out all right. And but what happened is when the plane took off and, and got through those clouds, the sun was always shining above those clouds. It was just beautiful and gorgeous. It was so peaceful and so quiet. And when I think about this passage of scripture, and when I think about this first phrase, if we then be risen with Christ, recognizing that we're talking about the Christian's attitude here that's going to be described, I know the importance of that attitude because it will help us to rise above the clouds and enjoy the sunshine. And you all know there's a lot of clouds today. There's a lot of darkness today. But with Jesus Christ as our Savior, we can rise above those clouds and fly safely and beautifully. Now, that's the first thing we note. Whose attitude is being described here? And obviously, it's the attitude of a Christian. The second thing we want to look at is this. What attitude ought the Christian then to experience and enjoy? What attitude ought the Christian then to experience and enjoy? This is found in verse 1 and 2. It says, Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And verse 2, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. The two key words here are seek and set. The word seek means this, to look hard for, to seek by thinking to look over carefully. Now, there's only one way for us to do this, and that is through reading and studying the Word of God. When we read and study the Word of God, we are seeking those things which are above. We've not been there. We've not seen it. We don't have any real firsthand report of it from any individuals except what we find in the Scripture. And so for us, in order to have the right attitude as a Christian, the first thing we need to establish is a attitude of seeking and looking hard and seeking by thinking the truths that come from reading and studying the Word of God. Now, I want to make one thing clear here. Church is important, but attending a faithful church and faithful Bible preaching and Bible teaching church is very important, but that is a supplement to the idea of us individually 
reading and studying his word. It's a good thing to go to church, good thing to hear preaching, good thing to be in Sunday school. Those are all good things. But we're going to not have the right attitude. We're not going to be able to fly very high unless we grasp our responsibility to personally read and study his word. So that's what we see, first of all, here. Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Let me illustrate it this way. When I was in Vietnam in 1970, I treasured letters from home, and primarily those letters came from my faithful wife. Uh, we would sit in the middle of a war. Uh, we'd sit in the very dirty, dusty, muddy, smelly landing zone, English, after returning from a mission. We'd go out on LERP missions, and we'd come back, and our mail would be waiting for us, and the first thing we did, as filthy as we were, as tired as we were, we'd find a quiet spot, sit down, and read those letters. And as I read those letters, I was seeking my wife and my family. I was seeking what at that time we called things going on back in the world. We remember that expression if you lived in those days. When you went to Vietnam, you were kind of somewhere else, and you looked forward to going back to the world someday. And I would just, I would devour them. In fact, the truth is, I got to thinking about this, and I thought, you know, I would read the lines. I would actually read in between the lines. I'd actually read above, below, and around the lines. I would just get every bit I could out of those letters to encourage my heart. I was seeking those things which were back in East Lake, Ohio. And God is telling us as Christians, if you're going to have the right attitude to keep the right altitude, you need to seek those things which are above. Where's that? Heaven, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. And the only way we can do that is by reading and studying his word, supplemented by church, supplemented by listening on the radio, the messages, supplemented by Bible study materials, all of that, supplemental. But we need to set our mind and look hard by seeking those things which are above. The second thing I want you to notice this, once you seek them and you see what they are, the Christian should have the attitude of setting your affection on things above. Seek is the idea of looking hard for, but setting your affection is the idea of exercising the mind, of having an opinion of. So as you seek it and read it and think about it, then you are to fix your mind on it and you're to have an opinion of it. You're to think hard about it and trust in it and believe in it. And what are we to set our mind on? Set your affection. The word affection means a gentle feeling of fondness or liking. Set your affection, set your love, set your heart on the things above, not on things on the earth. You know, I'll go back to that Vietnam illustration for a moment. And I remember that back in Vietnam, in LZ English, as I read those letters in that situation I was in, I would read them over and over, and I would almost imagine myself being there. I could just uh, think about being there. In fact, many times I'd go to sleep at night and dream about being back there in the world, back there where my family was waiting for me. And you might say, well, that was not very realistic. Oh, yes, it was. See, I was seeking those things back home, looking forward to returning to them, and I set my affection on those. It helped me forget about the dirt and the dust and the mud and the smell and the war that we were in and gave me a, a good feeling. I might come out of a mission just feeling very low, 
But then I would read those letters and I would seek what's in them and I would set my affection on them and I'd find my heart encouraged and my spirits encouraged. And I wasn't even a Christian back then, folks. That wasn't a Christian perspective. That's just a way we do, the way we operate. And God looks at us and says, now wait, you're a Christian now. If ye then be risen with Christ and now you have an advantage of actually seeking those things which are above, where where Jesus sits on the right hand of the God. And now you can set your affection on those things above, and you can look forward to them, not on things on the earth, which, by the way, will someday perish. So when we take a look at this, we see whose attitude is being described here. And the answer is, it's the Christian. The second thing we see is, what attitude should the Christian experience? And that is we should be seeking and we should be setting. Now, let me give you a little example of that before we move to our final point. If we had time, and I don't really want to take the time right now, maybe we'll study it some other time, but I'd like you to refer to it, think about it with me. If we were to go back in the Old Testament, we would find a period in Israel's history where they had the opportunity to go into the promised land at Kadesh Barnea. They sent 12 spies in. Those 12 spies verified everything that God had said about what was in that land. So those 12 spies actually saw it, actually brought back fruit from it, and were rejoicing in that what was there. But 10 of those spies said, well, we can't go in there because there's giants. We just can't do it. But Caleb and Joshua said, yes, we can. God sent us there. God said he gave it to us. We can go in there and we can do it. Well, you know the story, don't you? As a result of the rebellion of those 10 and their lack of faith influencing the rest of the nation of Israel and their lack of faith, there were people said, we're not going. And God said, okay, then you're going to spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness until you're, and I know this is a rough expression, but it says back in Numbers, till your carcasses fall in the wilderness, till you all die in the wilderness. The only ones that would go into the promised land would be Caleb, and would be Joshua. Well, it's kind of interesting because I often wondered, how did Caleb and Joshua make it to 40 years? That's a long time, isn't it? At 40 years of watching all your friends and your family, your neighbors and everybody else die. Uh, but that's what the scripture says. They went through that period of time, 40 years of wilderness wandering. All those people died except Caleb and Joshua. And then we find that uh, God finally lets them have another opportunity to go in the land. They go in, they begin to settle. And it's interesting to me because Caleb uh, really comes out strong when he finally gets into that land and goes to Joshua and says what? He said, Joshua, give me that mountain. What mountain was he talking about? Well, he was talking about the mountain that he had seen when he went in as a spy 40 years earlier. And during that 40 years of wanderness, Caleb kept his eyes and his heart and his mind on what he saw. He actually did what? Seek it and set his affection on it and kept his spirits up until the day when the Lord actually allowed him to go in. Isn't that wonderful? So he was in an opportunity where uh, that he was able to go, and once they went in and settled the land in the book of Joshua, chapter 14, uh, then he goes and tells Joshua, okay, it's time to settle now, and I would I want you to give me that mountain. In fact, he says this, which is rather interesting too. 
He says, actually, I'm as strong now as I was earlier. These 40 years haven't weared away on me, and uh, I'm just as excited now as I was then to go into the land. Now, how could he keep that kind of attitude? Well, I believe he could keep that kind of attitude because he was seeking and he was setting for 40 years. Now, we're in some pretty tough days, aren't we? And we can look around us and see the carcasses falling. I don't mean to use that disrespectfully. We can see the clouds darkening. We can have questions everywhere we turn. But you know what? Like Caleb and like Joshua, we can seek and we can set. We can know what God has got prepared for us. We could know that he's going to come again and take us unto himself. And we can have faith and trust in that. We can keep our spirits up. We can keep our health up. We can keep our energy up by looking ahead to what God has prepared for us. In Joshua chapter 14, Caleb and Joshua have their discussion, and I love what it says. Verse 11, As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there. Folks, those were the giants. He was going into the toughest part of the land. The Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be, the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And, of course, he did. So, again, what kept Caleb going those 40 years. What kept Joshua going those 40 years? They were seeking and setting their heart on what lay ahead for them, and God in his grace gave it to them there in Joshua 14. So we think about that in our situation today. Let's seek and set our heart on what God has prepared for us. Described in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Now, before we finish, we want to look at a third thing. The first thing we said is, whose attitude is being described here? A Christian's, if he then be risen with Christ. What attitude is being described? It can be summarized in two words, seek and set. Now, we want to ask the question, when will Christ appear? Do you see that in verse three and four? For we are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Now, the question is often asked, when will this be? Well, I don't want to go into elaborate detail because our time is going to be running out here, but we'll probably cover this in some lessons in the future. But as we look at the passage of Scripture today, and we are emphasizing having the right attitude, which will keep the right altitude, I'd like us to remember the first coming was not in any question in regard to Christ. We look in the scripture and we see the first coming. We're going to be celebrating it in December. That's the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, the virgin born in the manger. Grew up, ministered, gave his life, rose from the dead. He is our Savior. But now when we talk about him appearing again or coming again, there's actually two parts to that. The first part is the Christ will appear for the church at what we call the rapture. Christ will appear for the church at what we call the rapture. And I can't help but think that's what he's referring to here because he says in verse 4, when Christ who is our life shall appear, 
then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Now let me read these verses and see if you think this passage of scripture is dealing with that verse that we're looking at in Colossians. You've probably heard this passage of funerals before, but let's put it in the context of what we're studying today. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're looking at what we call the rapture, and listen how it's described. Verse 13, But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, dead, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if, there's that if again, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in other words, if we're a Christian, we believe in Christ, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him, those who've died prior to us. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or go before them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. That's verse 16. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What I see there is when we take a look at Colossians chapter 3, and it says, When Christ, verse 4, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. I see that here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. That's where the Lord takes the church out. And then there's seven years of tribulation that you read about in Revelation. And when you read that in Revelation, you finally come to chapter 19 and you see Christ returning to the earth. It's a different appearing than what we found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, he's in the clouds. Now we see him coming to earth. Listen while I read to you, if I may, beginning at verse 11. And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. I'm sorry. This is Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he that judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no man knew but himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treaded the winepresses of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now you can see the return in First Thessalonians was different. If I can use the word, it was more gentle return. He returns in the clouds. He takes up those who believe in him, if you be risen in Christ, and off they go. Now, in Revelation, he comes back as a judge to set up his kingdom upon the earth. So, when we take a look at Colossians chapter 3, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye, now who's the ye, goes back to verse 1, if ye then be risen with Christ. If you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you shall see him when he appears on that day and go to be with him. So three things that we've looked at. Number one, whose attitude being described? The Christians. Number two, what attitude being described? It's seek and set. And number three, when will Christ appear? He'll appear at the rapture, and seven years later, he'll appear at the revelation. 
You know, in 1971, as I was flying that Cessna 150, the tower called out and I had a choice to make. Would I seek the right attitude and set the right altitude? Would I pull back on that yoke and go nose up and climb up to 1,500 feet? Or would I stay right where I was at? Or worse yet, would I push the yoke in and go down? To ignore the tower would have possibly caused me to crash and burn. Today, we all have a similar choice to make spiritually. Will we listen to God's word from the tower, seek it? And will we set the right attitude that he gives to us? Or will we ignore it and crash and burn? You see, folks, I think this is so important in the day that all Christians have lived in. And there have been days that are worse. There have been days that are better. But they've all been trying, haven't they? Job even says that. As the sparks go up from the fire, so are man's troubles. And and we can allow ourselves to just get down, discouraged, and depressed so easily. But God gives us the answer here. He says so clearly in these verses, Come, my children, Let's have the right attitude. That'll put you in the right altitude and will help you fly. This has been From the Pastor Study with Pastor Marty Macedo. You may email me at macedofhm at gmail.com. That's M-A-S-I-T-T-O-F-H-M. Those letters stand for Fellow Helpers Ministries at gmail.com. Lord willing, we'll post another episode next week. But I want you to remember, as we think about Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4, and our lesson for today, I want you to remember this. Fly high, fly level, or crash and burn. Remember, our attitude determines our altitude. May we seek and set. Thank you for listening, and I trust you have a great day.